We're all shopping for essentials online these days, and now you can get rewarded for it. With the Bank of America Cash Rewards credit card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping essentials. The essentials have never felt more rewarding. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding to apply now. Copyright 2020 Bank of America Corporation. Like many of you, I had big plans going into 2020, one of which was to go on a treasure hunt. But you know how that turned out. In a statement released yesterday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Forrest Fenn himself said the treasure hunt is over, that the treasure chest has been found by one lucky finder. Luckily, Yes Theory had another trick up our sleeves. <clears throat> Do I say my name? <laughs> Thomas reads it well, really well. Thomas, can you just come to the- Please include this in the podcast. <laughs> Do not include this in the podcast. Please include this in the podcast. But this show wasn't a playful escape like a treasure hunt. We dug into some shit. And even before the pandemic, civil unrest, or the election took the country by hold, I was already starting the year from a weird place. I said this when we talked to Aaron Ferguson in January. I'm very uh, consumed by business stuff. (laughs) I just have a very hard time uh, like reconnecting with just my creative mind and Mm. being more present. I have a very hard time leaving that here it's the first thought that comes to my mind in the morning and it's the last one before i go to bed it's been very hard to not let it trickle over and impact my behavior and my mood and my relationships just protect your creative space because that's where you guys like live and that's where it like all flowed from and even though aaron told me that i needed to protect my creative space i really didn't know where to start i put it off thinking i'll get to that next month But then the world collapsed and there wasn't much time to think about anything else. And then there was this little old thing called a podcast, which took up the time I'd allocated to lean into my creative side. Finally, in the taping session, our producer asked us this question. Uh, What uncertainty has been like lurking in the background that you feel like the pandemic has given you enough time to think about? Maybe you don't have the answer clearly, but you've identified a path. Oh boy. I'm exploring how to balance structuring things with making sure that I compensate with uh, creativity and joy. And the thoughts I've been avoiding all year came roaring back. Now, what takes up most of my time in the process is the stuff that I technically hate doing, which is organizing. But it's like, nobody can play if this doesn't happen first. Someone has to do this. So I'm going to, so I'm going to do it. Because otherwise, there's a 0% chance of being able to play. But by the time I get there, I'm too tired. This was hour four of the seven-hour conversation that turned into episode eight. We were all gutted, half delirious, half high on the connection and clarity after those long, meandering conversations. The next week, I met up with our manager, Kate, who you heard from a few episodes back. And let me tell you, it's been quite a year and a half. Over tacos, we unpacked what I was learning about myself this past year. I think something that I've allowed myself to do recently is just ask myself honestly what I want to do. Because I think since we started, it was like, no, it's just whatever the collective needs. If I, if I put aside the collective for a moment, like what really gets me excited? 
as I asked myself that, that was the same energy that I got into when I decided to commit to YouTube. I genuinely asked myself, I was like, what is it that I really want to do? And uh, YouTube was like, to my surprise, up on the list. I kind of ran through a little bit of that exercise again. And it's a very freeing moment to have to just kind of ask yourself very honestly, like without any restrictions, what excites you. But as hard as I tried to be creative, I still couldn't figure out how to take care of the business and make time for my passions. In a lot of ways, just the past couple of weeks, it feels like we're all maturing into like a new headspace. And it's not the end of the road, like growth is like continual, right? But it feels like this year has been this like cocoon in a way of like breaking out of this shell. And it feels like we're out of the shell and now we're ready to see what else there is. If I wanted to focus on my creativity, I needed to make it my sole focus, or else it wouldn't happen. And that's when Kate got around to telling me about the tail end, a theory popularized by the blogger Tim Urban. Tim Urban explains that up until the age of 18, he used to spend about 90% of his year with his family and his parents. But since he's moved out of the house, he only gets to see them about 10 days every single year. And so if he's one of the lucky ones and gets to see them live into their 90s, that means he's got 30 years left with them, which with some simple math adds up to 300 days left of in-person time in total. If you add all of that up, that means he's already used up 93% of the in-person time he's going to get with his parents throughout his lifetime, which means he currently is in the tail end of his in-person time with his parents. Suddenly, it all clicked. What better way to get some distance from the business and get closer to my creative joy than returning home? As we prepare for takeoff, please make sure that you're treated. I needed to visit my family and friends, even if that meant Yes Theory would have to change up how we filmed and worked together. And with that, all that there was left to do was for me to tell Matt and Amar. Welcome to the Yes Theory podcast. I'm Thomas Bragg. I'm Amar Kandil. And I am Matt Daher. We'll be right back. You decided to upgrade your outdoor deck, so you ordered the essentials, a power washer, a set of patio chairs, and a shiny new grill. And you used your Bank of America cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, or up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member, which you put towards the cost of your most essential deck addition, a bird feeder. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2020 Bank of America Corporation. When we started making this show, I thought my uncertainty was contained to future dread. And I wasn't alone in that. No one knows what's happening. You get to be uncertain right now. We all are. But I eventually figured out that the gnawing feeling comes not from uncertainty, but from ignoring what you are certain about. Maybe you're unsure if the timing is right, maybe you're just scared to pull the trigger, but all in all, you can outrun clarity for a while, but it always catches up with you eventually. I felt some of that gnawing feeling give way when I bought my plane ticket, until I realized it opened up a whole new void of uncertainty. I don't know when I'm gonna come back to the US. And by that, I really mean I don't know when the next time I'll see Matt and Amar who have been my rocks these last five years. But you're gonna miss me most, right? No, no, no. Il a aucune idée, le petit con. No. 
<rire> c'est dommage qu'ils parlent pas du tout parce que en, en fait la vérité c'est que c'est that's one thing that I they yeah they do that sometimes. Um, I'm definitely going to be excited to come back. Yeah. Man, who knows what the world's going to look like in three months, knowing how this year has gone. You know. Should be interesting. Yeah, the aliens are going to show up. I mean, aliens at this point, like that would really not surprise me. It would actually kind of make me like, I don't know, excited. I'm like, here we go. Now we're up and up the stakes. <laughs> 2020 was holding back, but now it's here. I started packing and realized how much I was going to miss California. It could be a really long time before I get to have a blast with my best friends again. So I got kind of nostalgic, like poetically so. I took a stroll down memory lane specifically Westminster Avenue, all the way to 506. It was the first house we rented in Los Angeles, the first place where Yes Theory really felt at home together. I still remember finding the house, too. Because mm. we were staying... <laughs> yes, <laughs> illegally at Vertical Networks, without them knowing. Well, we've never really said this anywhere, right? No. And we slept on the floor of the production company of the, that was uh, producing our show on Snapchat. People would start leaving around 5, 6 p.m. We worked there during the day, and they'd be like, you guys really work late? We'd be like, like yeah, yeah, we <laughs> got a lot to do. <laughs> We'd go to bed on the floors, and then at one point, actually, I remember, I, this is the funniest But they part. also just thought we were the last to leave and first to get there, <laughs> yeah. but we just never left. <laughs> yeah, we never left. <laughs> and I think the, the, the funniest part was the, yeah, when I came in, and <laughs> the cleaning lady was coming, and... I went into Thomas, and Thomas was asleep on one of the couches, and fully clothed, <laughs> and I tapped him, and he thought it was the cleaning lady, so he stepped in his chair and pretended like he was working. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first instinct, to just fully pretend. <laughs> ah, dude, it's so funny. Oh. Yeah, so actually what I was going to say, because you're having such a hard time finding a home, Yeah. And you found it. Yeah. And then somehow this place was like a little bit above our budget, but just enough to be able to be like, okay, if we spend a little less on episodes, we can probably afford it. Yeah. And then it was, I mean, it I was the we best investment. We didn't think it was real at first. Yeah. When we first moved to LA, and we, we didn't know a single person. Yeah. Every time we filmed with strangers, or even, I mean, Amar would do this all the time, where he'd just come back with a new person. Mm-hmm. It was like a gravitational force at this house mm. of like people instantly felt welcomed. It was a home for anyone who wanted to have a sense of belonging. The house was just a, was such a safe space to, to feel connected even if you're not from here. And the reality was that people that we were, the people that we were crossing paths with were all also people who are very much moving here to pursue a big idea or a big dream. And we just felt incredibly grateful for having our friend Dre's apartment in Montreal, which we didn't pay rent for. And that felt like everything we could ask for to just be able to get this thing off the ground. And when we came here and we realized that we had all this space, we just wanted to make sure that we pay that forward. Make sure that if someone has a great idea right now, but doesn't have a space to execute it, then this can be their base. This can be where they meet people to make all these 
ideas and dreams happen. And I think, yeah, it wasn't a place where we would just go to, to sleep and wake up to do to do a job. It was a full life that was dreamt and lived together in that place. But there's been a big change of scenery since we moved out. This place that we adored was completely demolished. A clean slate to build something entirely new. And so when Amar and I caught up with one of our old neighbors, Thanos... Or did you I, come I in? Moved, I moved in this apartment uh, February 6, 2016. Okay, we, we moved in May of 2016. So you were here before we even came, yeah. And you've basically seen us, just seen the whole journey on the, literally from the building uh, over. For me, one of the memories of, of you was when you, when you guys challenged Will Smith. Yeah. And, you know, like the energy and, you know, I could feel it in my apartment also. You could take a picture. Thanos told us the construction company was just a few days away from pouring the new foundation. And that's when I hatched a plan. If I wasn't going to discover a treasure during this pandemic, I was going to bury one with my best friends. Okay, so I just, I just hopped the fence. Which brings us here, with Amar jumping a fence the night before I left America. Ticking off not just one, but two boxes. This is the last episode of our podcast, and we're coming full circle to my treasure hunt dream. Well, kind of. A time capsule, if we're getting technical about it. So we had this crazy idea to have a ritual that will hopefully mark this next phase in our business career, but also our personal lives, uh, individually and collectively. What better way to mark the first five years of Yes Theory and a turning point in our relationship than by burying a time capsule? So we decided that we're each going to bring an item that will reflect a meaningful memory or a lesson from our last five years together. And the plan is to put it all in a box and to go bury it in the foundation of our first home together. I think when you think about it, like every new chapter usually has a celebration, right? Mm -hmm. Graduation you celebrate, marriage you celebrate. It is a new chapter for us and I think it only makes sense for us to create a moment out of it because it's very easy to let certain moments just, just happen. Every new million subscribers we say we're going to celebrate, we never do. Mm. There's never a moment. There's never a ritual or, or like a, you know, <laughs> I think when we hit 5 million, someone like raised their head from the laptop and was like, hey, we hit 5 million. And they were like, all right, <laughs> back to work. <laughs> Instead of celebrating an arbitrary numbers milestone, I think we're celebrating a personal and group growth milestone. We're celebrating growing up and the recognition of what it feels like realizing that the future requires more of us. And we've all made realizations during COVID of habits we want to implement. And I feel this is the, this is the mark of this moment of us looking at each other and recognizing that we're now men who are in union together, going after a massive dream. We're confident that we can grow together living on other sides of the world. But when distance and time catches up with us, as it always does, we'll have this ritual to reflect on. I put stickers on the box. Three Seek Discomfort stickers on a small wood box. 
I was trying to think of the thing I was going to put into uh, this little box. But I found this. Wow. As a ticket to the premiere of the movie Arrival. We filmed an episode where we snuck into movie premieres. And I remember this movie in particular was actually a really interesting moment for me because I literally thought it was impossible. Like we came to this movie premiere dressed up certain. And I remember having a conversation with Timo being like, you can give this a shot, but there's no way we're getting in. And then uh, <laughs> you go up to the lady at the counter and you're just like, hi, I'm Thomas Bragg. I'm here for the movie. I'm with X person. She's like, sorry, you're not on the list. And then T-Pokey is just so convincing in these situations and gets her to put him on the list. And he comes back with this ticket. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And he was like, I think I can get you in too. I was like, what? He's like, come with me. So I went next to him. And we just, we got in. Like he, he convinced this lady to also give me a ticket. He was like, he's with me. She's like, oh, okay, perfect. And then we ended up sitting next to Christopher Nolan in the, this movie premiere. Yeah. And I think it was just like a crazy realization of how in one instant you can go from like being just like a random dude out on the street to sitting next to one of the biggest directors in the world for a movie that nobody else is seeing. By just having the, the wild thought of just going for it. And I think for me, when I saw this, it just reminded me that of like what you guys always push, which is the, the fun, you know, that it doesn't always have to be so serious. Mm. I've always been more business oriented and wanting this to be a serious thing that people take seriously. But you're both kids at heart and you both remind me to, <laughs> to, to do the things that just genuinely are silly and will make for great memories. And this is just one hell of a memory. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll cherish this forever. I miss uh, the sneaking in days. I can't really do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I can't really make videos about sneaking into, <laughs> yeah. sneaking into places. Amar put us all to shame by bringing not just one, but a handful of mementos. How many things did you bring? Just uh, three or four. Three or four? Mm -hmm. I knew Amar would have the most things for sure. All right. Let's see where, where do I start? A photo of the four of us with Darren. Darren was one of the founding members of Yes Theory. And while he's been doing his own thing now and actually moved back to Montreal, Canada, where we started Yes Theory, we still count him as a dear friend. And after all, he helped us build this dream back when no one else thought we could do it. It's one of the first photos we took when we did the renovation for the backyard. The backyard is where we came up with the name Yes Theory. Mm -hmm. Came up with a lot of things. And I, I just think it's such a happy photo. Darren, Amar, Matt and I are standing arm in arm wearing our first Yes Theory merchandise. While we're the focus of the Polaroid, if you look closely, you'll see a mural that was commissioned in the background. The artist painted the different phases of the moon. Even before we had any idea where this journey would take us, he predicted the ebb and tide that our pursuit of discomfort would churn up. It's so vibrant and... Yeah, I love that photo. I brought one thing and 
I don't know if you guys know that I have this, but I have it. Um, it's it's a moment that was very pivotal for us at Yes Theory. Can you guess? Probably can't guess. Yeah, I probably guess it, but give me a little more than just a pivotal moment in Yes Theory. <laughs> yeah, so it was a, at the start. Uh, we had made videos for for Snapchat Discover for a while, and uh, they gave us uh, basically an ultimatum. Tommy plays the pivotal part of this story too. So we're going to tell it together. We got a call saying that the entire video team on Snapchat had been fired and we were the only video team left. And we had to edit Nara Dreamland, which is the biggest abandoned amusement park in Japan that's now destroyed. Um, and when we walked through it, in one of the rooms, there was like this entire huge drawer uh, that had been kind of vandalized of uh, bracelets to get in. For some reason, I kept those bracelets even though they looked like white hospital admission bands. But it wasn't so much what they looked like, but what they represented. And Thomas was super stressed because obviously he was the main editor at the time. Tommy again. And he was like, okay, well, it looks like it's on me to make this into the piece that saves us because if we don't have money, then... <laughs> Things are going to be tough for a while. And I knew I had to do it myself. And I just showed up and I sat down and I remember like, I think I started at 6.30 a.m. and I felt so calm. I was totally cool and I just was fully confident that I could do it. So it got to a point where I was like editing other things and I saw him working on that. And I was like, well, if everything depends on that one video, then what am I doing not helping? <laughs> like, I'm just sitting here wasting my time when I should be, you know, helping Thomas in the trenches. And I just started to line it all up in the edit. And Tommy, your brother, came and he helped me out with a couple of the things. He was like kind of trying not to get in the way, but he was like, hey, is there anything I can take off your workload? And he gave me uh, like a, one of the tiles, which is Snapchat, like divides the video into 10 seconds for like a two minute video fully. It's kind of a crazy format, but there needs to be like a cliffhanger at the end of the, each of the 10 seconds um, consistently throughout. And I gave him the second tile, which is the history tile that he like murdered. He spent all day just doing that one 10 second little thing and he made it perfect. And then we shipped that and it became the most watched thing that Snapchat had ever put out back then. It got from like 4.6 million views, which was unheard of for them at the time. And honestly, it's what saved us. Got us the gig. I figured putting them in the box is a way to also just kind of say bye to a time that was amazing, very innocent, but also very stressful in, in certain days. But that I also like look back at with a lot of joy. On the really hard days, I remember still being so happy that I really felt like I was earning this in a lot of ways. It was also a moment where I felt like I earned trust in myself. And uh, so this is a, is a thank you for all the learning lessons and uh, gratitude for all of the roller coaster of a lifetime that this has given us so far and looking forward to all the future ones. All right, last item. Okay. Put it in. Putting it all in the box. Putting it all in the box. Is it gonna fit? I'll make it fit. Boom.
Literally. almost ready for goodbyes. And when we finally stopped going down memory lane, we knew it was time to get up to some good old adventure. More on that after the break. We followed Thanos' advice. If you come nighttime, you can, and now there's something like a small box, you can pull up the tarp and, and bury it, bury it under the tarp in the corner. Oh, because they're going to put it yeah. over the yeah. gonna... Which brought us here, leaving the Yes House and walking a few blocks over to 506. It's, a, it's quite the night to do this. It's like the eeriest, foggiest night this year. Yeah, it's very foggy. All right, we're walking back to 506. It's a, it's a very eerie night. Weirdly yeah. enough, there's like there's fog. a huge layer of fog. Yeah, and nobody's out in the streets. And it's a full moon. This is bizarre. Also, I feel like you know what, what it feels like. It feels like a Back to the Future, like one of those nights when they get in the car and then they just totally. It like, does it feel like it feels like something's. Like a transformational thing is about to happen. And when we finally get to 506, we were so caught up in trying to peek through the fence to see what it looked like, we sort of forgot about the time capsule entirely. But then... Uh, so the, a car just pulled up right behind us. <laughs> we all got Johnny? What? Johnny? No way. What the fuck? Johnny? At some point. <laughs> we ran into Johnny who was one of the first creatives that we hosted at 506. What's up, you guys? My name's Johnny, here with the Yes Theory guys, and today we've dressed up for this very fine occasion. We're going to get on an extremely expensive yacht with some very, very cheap champagne. She was very much a part of the old Yes Theory days, the ones we are memorializing. Wait, but actually, what are you guys doing? What was it? creepy asses just walk out of the car. We're burying a time capsule. In the foundation. Oh, really? We put yeah. a few memories. Are they going to build something over yeah, it? Yeah, Have you not seen it? What's, wow. your what's your favorite memory <laughs> in this place? Jesus Christ. My favorite memory or my strangest memory? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, damn. We had some good times. I like the backyard hangs. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. See ya. That was random. Literally one of the, literally the first person we hosted. <laughs> All right, back to the task at hand. Martin, you're the chosen one. <laughs> Climb this fence. Believe in you, dude. All right. We're doing it. All right. Okay, so I just, I just hopped the fence. There's a pile of dirt that I'm just gonna land on. Okay. I'm just making sure that there's no neighbors looking out because it's definitely gonna be very freaky to them if they see. Okay, I made it onto the structure now and I'm currently trying to get down onto the foundation of where our living room used to be. And I'm gonna be basically putting this box right here that has all our memories. I'm gonna be putting it under the tarp that they're gonna pour the concrete over. And 
as I said, it's gonna be in the living room that brought us together where we had some of the best memories of our lives, some of the most life-changing ideas and dreams and hopes and aspirations for just the world that we wanted to create together. And it's mm. kind of emotional, wow. Ending one chapter and beginning another can be bittersweet. This is the beginning of a new journey, boys. Let it be the best one yet. Best is yet to come. Inshallah. But uncertainty is the only guarantee we have. So like Arthur Brooks said back in our first episode. So you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to feel the uncertainty. I'm going to think about the uncertainty. I'm going to roll it around in my hands. I'm going to get dirty with this uncertainty a little bit. And, And it's crazy because... Once you own that, you feel strong, you feel good, and you're ready for the next thing. By now, I'm guessing you've tapped into some form of clarity about the life you were leading up to the pandemic and where you wanted to go from here. Whatever epiphany arose, don't lose sight of it. Don't be afraid to tell the people you care about that you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And don't let the ongoing pandemic stop you from making plans or creating rituals to mark a new phase in your life. Well, I think now we've gotten to a point this year where we've realized that COVID's not going away. That there's no point of thinking about the before, the after, or like once it's over, we're going to be able to do all this fun stuff. We have to just lean into it and just accept it and find fun within it. Just like this, like what we're doing tonight. It's like a perfect example of just like making a really special moment out of a really crazy situation and like directing our own story. I think I think it's about adapting, right? And just leaning into the discomfort of coming up with new ideas, like new ways of having fun. And it's also, I think, an invitation for us to drop the state of denial that there's any return for normal, yeah. quote unquote. It's, it's now up to you to define what that looks like to you. Despite all of the challenges we faced in 2020, we did pull off this podcast. And so who knows what 2021 will bring for us and for you. See you in season two. I'm your host for this episode, Thomas Bragg, but I would not be here without my friends, Amar Kandil and Matt Daher. This episode was produced by Joy Folks and Juliet Luini. It was edited by Joey Fishground. Then Corolla sound designed and mixed it right up. The Yes Theory podcast is produced by Kate Ward for One Day Entertainment. The executive producers are Leah Sutherland, Morgan Seltzer, and Sam Rogaway from Headspace Studios. 